Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, May 8th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Questions continue on the issue of Chinese interference, including what will happen to the diplomat at the center of the Michael Chong case. This is a, a serious and significant question. Uh, it's a question of moving forward in a way that represents our values and ensures that we're uh, enforcing our laws, while at the same time ensuring that we're uh, keeping Canadians safe and prosperous. Uh, this is a decision not to be taken lightly. Will there be any repercussions for the fact that the information about threats to Michael Chong and his family wasn't brought to the attention of the Prime Minister? It's important that we unearth the reasons as to why this was not brought directly to the attention of the Public Safety Minister at the time, as well as the Prime Minister. And at their convention, the Liberals vote to reopen electoral reform and vote down a resolution to rein in the deficit. Will this give ammunition to those who say it's time to cut back on spending? Joining us is Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Good morning, Rob. Hello, Julie. How are you? I'm just great. So things don't seem to change on this issue of uh, Chinese foreign interference. Uh, there's so many questions that we still have. A lot of them followed the prime minister to the coronation, and I'm sure they're following him back into Ottawa this week. What will you be looking for? Well, you're right about the, the questions being piled up. I, I think the question that everybody has been asking is, how is it that the prime minister didn't know that a sitting MP was, was being targeted by a foreign government for intimidation? Uh, uh, that question is particularly pertinent because uh, his, his principal secretary uh, uh, or chief of staff, Katie Telford, uh, 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 is on the record in public in front of a committee saying nothing is kept from the prime minister. You know, uh, how is it that he didn't know what happened? Uh, the other the other question that uh, that was raised near the end of the week by Mr. Chong, which I which I think is is a is a scintillating question, one that, that everybody should be asking, was that he and other MPs got a, a kind of a general briefing about a foreign inter interference and 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 the the. The uh, the unspoken um, uh, nature of that briefing was that they might they might be targeted as well. So Mr. Chong is hinting strongly and saying uh, outwardly in some interviews that other MPs mm -hmm. might have been targeted mm -hmm. as well. So mm -hmm. are there others? Mm -hmm. Did the prime minister know about those? Who were the others and which government uh, or governments? Uh, you know, you think about Iran, you think about Russia are targeting our members of parliament and what was done about those too. So the, the questions just continue to pile up. The other question, of course, that that's piling up for the prime minister is what is he going to do about it in terms of China? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and uh, that, that's one that clearly they're taking a lot of time on, but the question is why? Well, um, you know, to go back to why didn't the prime minister know? That was the very confusing part. And on the weekend at the Liberal Convention, Marco Mendicino uh, was saying we have to get to the bottom of why the information was wasn't passed on. I mean, his national security advisor, Jody Thomas, did say a couple of days ago that he 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 was not told. Right. And so right. you, you, you kind of have to wonder, like, <laughs> What was the what was the nature of the threats? Were they so vague in this? Uh, like we still don't uh, we don't know what the threats were. Like what were the threats? 
Well, uh, the threats were intimidation to the, the family of, of Michael Chong in China, um, and, and they might have been phrased in a way to make them vague. They, they almost sound like, like uh, you know, your, your sinister, snidely, whiplash, um, villainous character in a Hollywood movie saying, you think you're safe over here, right? but your family over there, well, mm-hmm. maybe they won't be so safe. And the mm-hmm. twirling of the mustache, except mm-hmm. it's very, very serious. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 a serious threat to make. Uh, it it, uh, it it induced Mr. Chong into in cutting off communications with his family in China, um, and, and so uh, you know. Look again. The question is why, and the answer uh, it, it's beginning to appear to be. It, the answer is is the, the the summer of three and a half national security advisors. Right. Mm-hmm. They 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 uh, they went through a period where where they had. Musical uh, chairs. Just, that that's right. Mm-hmm. Vin, Vincent Rigby was leaving the office. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, David Morrison was brought in during the the, the summer as an interim. Yeah. Uh, be- before Miss Thomas came on as national uh, security advisor, and uh, Mr. Morrison went on on vacation. We're we're told by by some, and it was he was replaced by an interim interim at the Mr. same McDonald. time. Mr. McDonald. Some yeah. Uh, that that that's right. So so we had in a spirit in a span of just a few months, uh, three three and a half, as I mm. as I like to say, uh, yeah. national security advisors, yeah. and, and you can you can see that in 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 Ottawa happening. You you can see things falling between the cracks, but at some point, uh, somebody should have briefed up. Miss um, Thomas called Mister Chong last week to say. She did know about it. Well, mm-hmm. at, at what point did she know about it? Mm-hmm. And and why didn't she brief the prime minister about it, particularly in light of Katie Telford saying there is nothing that is kept from the exactly. prime minister? Exactly. Well, the big question as well this week is, is this diplomat going to get kicked out of the country? The diplomat at the center of everything, Mr. Wei Zhou. And the longer the government waits, I'm just wondering how it looks. Yeah, uh, look, I can I can pretty much surmise what's going on behind the scenes. Okay, um, like there there's everything that we see in in Ottawa, and then there's everything that we don't see. And one of the things we don't see in Ottawa is the furious lobbying that goes on before a decision like this is made. And you're going to be surprised about the nature of that lobbying, or some people might be surprised because a lot of it is furious lobbying by farmers by logger logging uh, executive by business leaders who are saying don't do anything that's going to to prompt too drastic a reaction from china because a lot of our trade a lot of our prosperity is tied up Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. relationship with china and they're saying you know if you do something if, if, if you go too far beyond beyond the spectrum of what is usually done in these in these uh, situations and there is a, a kind of a formula that that's applied in these situations if you go beyond that then you you should expect the chinese <clears throat> to do something like shut down our, our order our consulate in shanghai shut down mm-hmm. uh, and if that happens it makes it very very difficult um, when your your uh, your business community is trying to operate in one of the business capitals of the world, so that that's what's happening. But the the, the other truth is, you cannot allow this. 
Uh, any any country that wants to be sovereign cannot allow its citizens, particularly its members of parliament, to be intimidated by a foreign power on its own soil. So, uh, you know, there are scenarios like this that are gamed out well in advance. This is taking far, far longer than these things usually take. And I assume it's because of the furious lobbying that's going on behind the scenes right now. Wow. Well, so that's going to have to come to some conclusion uh, this week. Otherwise, if it gets dragged out too far in the future, like you say, it looks like you can be pushed around, right? Yeah. So. And Julie, I can't imagine the Chinese aren't listening. We know they're listening. They, they've already reacted to the musing about this. Yeah. Has, has, has the diplomat in question, has he already left the country? That that would be one way of, of uh, perhaps attenuating this. It would be embarrassing for the government if they took too long to expel somebody uh, uh, so long that the, the diplomat was already in, in air quotes reassigned uh, and, and had, had left the country. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if I were the Chinese. That would be something that I would be considering. Right. So uh, today as well, the Conservatives have a motion uh, that wraps all of this up. We'll look for the vote on that. It calls on the Liberals to create a foreign agent registry, expel diplomats, because maybe there's more than one, who knows, responsible, quote unquote, for the affronts to Canada's democracy, shut down the China-run police stations and have a national public inquiry. So lots in the mix on this this week. Uh, that we'll be looking for. But let's um, <clears throat> let's just uh, go back to the convention for a bit, because there is a couple of resolutions that are potentially, well, kind of head scratching in a way. One was they voted to have uh, a whole debate again on electoral reform. So let's talk about that for a minute, because that's kind of sure. comical. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it is like clearly liberals still still want something done to change their first past the post system. Um, the, the problem is um, the prime minister doesn't want it done or certainly not done along the lines of, of liberals uh, who, who voted for this motion in his own party. Um, when he was asked about it uh, yesterday, I think he said it's just not a priority. The, the economy is a priority now. And it's not a priority because uh, what I would like to, uh, to have done in terms of electoral uh, reform is, is a ranked ballot system mm -hmm, where you mm -hmm. vote for your first choice, your second choice, or maybe your third choice. Yeah. Um, and, and the other parties aren't interested in that because they know that liberals would probably be at worst number two on a lot of those ballots. And that, right. that favors them. And they and so want said proportional representation, most of them, right? Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. And so it, it's, it's just not happening. The, I think the more problematic uh, resolution, if there if there is any uh, problematic resolutions, um, it wasn't really a policy heavy um, convention, mm -hmm. but if, uh, it is the the, uh, the the rejection of uh, a resolution to set a date for a balanced budget in the right. future, which is a head scratcher. It, yeah. it is a head scratcher yeah. because no, these resolutions aren't binding. Most people know they're not binding. Why they wouldn't have at least. Uh, appeared to care about balancing the budget at some point in, in the foggy and distant future um, it, it is is a, a bit mystifying and befuddling. But it's it seems uh, that this iteration of the Liberal Party, which is uh, con, um, uh, intent on on uh, doing everything it can to absorb uh, the New Democratic Party votes, because they know mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. where that's where how they've won the last elections, and that's mm -hmm. probably their only chance of winning the next one, um, that, uh, that that's what they're mindful of and they don't 
want to do anything that would scare away liberal NDP switchers. Right. And and it was particularly um, a, a contrast during the convention because, of course, Jean Chrétien gave a speech on Friday night and he heralded the fact that he had nine budgets that were in surplus. I mean, when he, when the Liberals came in in uh, 93, uh, the deficit at that point, I'm trying to remember, but it was probably over 40 billion. And yeah, the, the, the one the IMF that we, was knocking on the door. Right. And Standard yeah. and Poor's yeah. said that you're, you know, you're going downhill real fast. Right. Yeah. But uh, now they face now they have a deficit of roughly 40 billion. And who knows if there's another pandemic around the corner? You have no idea. I mean, do you remember the days of Paul Martin when he had a contingency fund or a prudence fund where you'd put aside right. three billion dollars for a rainy day? That's laughable. Yeah. That's laughable now. Uh, I mean, there's, and, and, there's no and, such and, thing. You don't, yeah, you don't even have to peer into the in the into the distant distant future. Let's remember that Justin Trudeau said that by 2019, four years after he won his majority government, that the that the the, the budget would be balanced, yes. uh, and they would only run modest deficits because mm-hmm. the uh, liberals are very quick to tell you, well, we had the pandemic. Yes, the pandemic didn't start really didn't come to Canada uh, until 2020. For four years, the government chose to run deficits they were they were deficits of choice not not of obligation uh so look th- this is not this is not a government uh, that is that is known for its tight-fisted uh, economic policy it never will be uh it's decided that that's not where it's going to get its votes um but uh there like there there are there are lots of blue liberals out there mm-hmm. Some of them are in the caucus. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking before that some of them were a bit perturbed by uh, the lack of uh, focus on fiscal responsibility during the convention. But this really wasn't a, a convention about policy. This was really a convention about, um, you know, uh, liberals bucking themselves up, uh, going for their fourth consecutive mandate. And and the and the only way you're going to win four mandates in a row is if the is if the uh, leader of the opposition, the principal opponent, is so distasteful to Canadians that they're going to hold their nose and vote for you again because you've been around a long, long time if you're going for your fourth mandate in a row. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what this convention was really about. It it was everything they could to say, okay, you might not love us, but this guy that you're looking at voting for, take a good hard look at him. Because you're going to be really, really wondering what you did the morning after if you wake up with him um, as prime minister. Well, and Poilievre was all over the the fact that they didn't vote to reduce, to eliminate or have a plan to get rid of the deficit. He was all over that on his Instagram. And that will be something he promises. But of course, the liberals will say, if you want to get rid of a deficit, you have to cut. So where, where are you going to cut? And this, uh, you know, this will be all about austerity. So I think this for sure would shape up to be a big thing in the coming election, just because there is such a big deficit at this point. Right. And and the question will be, do you want to get rid of it? Do you care? You know? Yeah, it, it, that'll be it. But I, but I also think it will be a nasty, brutal mm-hmm. uh, campaign. Uh, where you'll 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 barely be able to see the whites of the eyes of of, of all of the uh, all, all the participants in this election because they'll just be flinging so much muck at each other they'll be caked in it by the time we get to the end of the campaign. 
Well, you know, and that's interesting because I did talk to someone who knows Trudeau very, very well at the convention. And he said, and you, you probably heard similar things. He probably wouldn't run again if it weren't the fact that it was Poiliev because he's afraid that anybody who might replace him in the party uh, wouldn't be as pugilistic, doesn't go like uh, Trudeau, I guess, sees himself as able to fight Poiliev to get down below the belt if he has to. Whereas, yeah. uh, you know, if it was someone else, maybe he'd think that, um, you know, one of my colleagues here could take him on. So so anyway, that, that's uh, the, the, interesting to, to watch, certainly uh, how the issues are going to shape up. Yeah, he loved he loves a brawl, Trudeau. Uh, I, I did take note of his words. His words were it would be my honor to lead you again in the next election. Lots of wiggle room there if he decides to pull the ripcord and, and leave before 2025. There you go. You you picked up the wiggle room. I I didn't. I was putting a bet on the fact if he said it so many times, he's probably going to do it. But who knows? As my mother says, you can't write the script. <laughs> no facts in the future. No facts in the future. So, Rob, have a great day. That was Rob Russo, political analyst and former bureau chief for the CBC Parliamentary Bureau. We are part of a strong, vibrant political tradition as old as Canada itself. It was, has made us, it's what made us the most successful political party, not just in our country, but in a democratic world. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Shannon Proudfoot argues the Liberal Convention offers a glimpse of how the party sees itself. She writes, political party conventions are strange things. They're meant to whip up enthusiasm among potential volunteers and donors in between elections. But snippets of coverage will make their way to the broader public, offering a glimpse of how a political party would present itself to the world, maybe even how it genuinely sees itself. The Liberals built themselves a happy little terrarium in which to dwell for a few days in that Ottawa conference centre, basking in the sun lamp glow of their own enthusiasm, undimmed by crass or mean outside forces. That's what a political convention always is, even when you're the party that's been running the country for the past eight years. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues the Liberal Party is still Justin Trudeau's party. She writes, for a governing party that is enduring daily bashing in Parliament and on the pundit circuit, led by a man who is more unpopular now than he's ever been since taking power in 2015, the mood at this weekend's Liberal Party convention was remarkably upbeat. This is not a party that seems in any mood to send Justin Trudeau packing. This is still his party, the one created out of the depths of its existential despair a decade ago. Maybe the memory of those days is still raw for many Liberals. Maybe it's a lack of an obvious alternative. Whatever the reason, the Conservatives, dearly hoping that Trudeau is sticking around to fight Poiliev in the next election, are looking like they'll get their wish. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will participate in the Intergovernmental Leaders Forum that will focus on strengthening relationships with self-governing and modern treaty partners from across the country. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period before holding a bilateral meeting with Poland's Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of National Defence. Defence Minister Anita Anand will also meet with the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of National Defence of Poland. 
NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will give a speech at the 2023 Canadian Labour of Congress Convention in Montreal. Green Party leader Elizabeth May will attend the Canadian Bar Association Environmental Energy and Resources Law Summit in Ottawa. And Housing Minister Ahmed Hussein, Indigenous Services Minister Patty Haidu, and Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller will make an announcement related to new Indigenous shelters and transitional housing. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, May 8th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.